You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Detroit, City of Champions, it is a story that needs to be told. 1935, Michigan, Detroit, just some amazing sports history that people need to know about. And there's this trilogy of books written by Charles Avison. Hey, Charles. How you doing, Jamie? Excellent. And we got uh, Tom Urich here. Tom has been connected to Detroit sports for a long time. Longer than I want to remember. <laughs> and uh, we're bringing this story alive. 1935. Just want to bring it to life. Bring it alive. And we are going to just share this with people. Hell, we're going to make a movie out of it. We're going to make a movie. We're we already gonna... talked to you. This is, this, is the, this is the goal. This is our goal. Is that to bring this story back and not just bring it back. We want to film the greatest sports movie ever made because it lends itself to to, oh, to being told. It's the this is the this is so we have the what we are talking about for those if this is your first time joining this show, we're talking about the greatest season to ever take place mm-hmm. in the history of American sport. Right, and notice how easy it rolls right off the tongue. Super easy to say, right? Yeah. So so we have the greatest season of all time. Um, why not make the greatest movie of all time? Yeah. Right? I mean, this is, let's say we've got, it's got every sport. It's got Joe Lewis. It's got the Tigers, Lions, Red Wings. It's got Garwood and Speedball Racing. You're talking 33 championships, all this in the same season. You've got literally, this is, and I wrote the screenplay for it. Yeah. Um, we've got a little image there for you, for anybody watching the YouTube. This is the cover of the screenplay uh, covers. Um, and, and the, uh, the, the, what was so fascinating about this story about like putting all the, you know, you're trying to do the story arcs for everything right. is this idea that every single great sports story ever told, like every great, well, every great sports story that's ever been made, mm-hmm. like the bad news bears, yeah, like yeah. the natural, like all these different sports movies, there is a, there is a component of every great sports story found in this, in, in some way or form in this movie or in this, you know, in this story. And it's and as I'm saying, like when you put it all together into one giant sports, or especially since the fact that it really happened, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like this is this is our objective, and I'm glad to lay it out for this show. We talked about the movie a little bit here and there, yeah. But from here on out, this is our goal: yep. the movie. Yeah. So, so looking forward, and we're uh, we we moved through the uh, Tigers and the Lions. We talked about uh, those amazing season, the the amazing Ironmen with the the the, the Lions Portsmouth coming up. Spartans from, and the Lions. Yep, that's how we yeah. that's how we found this guy over and, here, Tom yeah, Urich. Well, he, uh, he came from Portsmouth. And he <laughs> yeah. came up the Ohio River, and I'm right here in Detroit. And yeah, we <laughs> found we found Tom, and he's 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 now he's now a regular. He's our he's our buddy on the show. He's not he's, uh, he's Tom. Not going were you anywhere. floating down the Cuyahoga River? Is that how we, fa- we well, found you? Well, one of them. All right, fair uh, enough. You know, I got excited. It all looked wet. <laughs> we picked we picked Tom up, and we did, we were like, Tom was a special guest for about ten episodes, and now and then, he's just uh, a regular <laughs> regular on here. This is he's our guy. So, yeah. and then the grit uh, of the Detroit Tigers, uh, Mickey Cochran, and yeah. and that group of men. Man, you're, uh, you're talking my language. Oh, so, and uh, but the, we brought us to the wings. And what was the the, the title episode? Just Charles and I will talk ahead of time. It was like, what are we going to dive into today? Well, I'll ask, and he'll tell me what we're going to dive into. And and uh, so what was the title you put on uh, today? Oh, this is a great title, man. Uh, so this is so we're not so last week we we just began talking about the uh, the, the rise of the Detroit Red Wings, the, the birth of the NHL, the birth of the NHL. We had to start right back from scratch in order to, in order to lead up to what we're going to begin talking about this week, which is um, Jack Adams. The name Jack Adams. Jack. So we told you this episode, Jack Adams, part one, skate like the devil and fight like hell. <laughs> I this love is the, that. Because this is, because this is, this is going to be fun. Like yeah. I love, I, this, Jack that, Adams is the guy. Man. I'm putting that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, like, why not? We're, we're trying to make, we're going to make a movie, right? <laughs> no. Like, we're going to make a movie. And like, there's so many different sayings. Like Mickey has, Mickey's like, yeah. you, you know, like how you think you're going to do this year, Mickey. And then, you know, he's like, we're going to the world series. <laughs> like that's a pretty good slogan too for a shirt with a tiger logo, city of champions. I mean, there's a few different varieties we could put out. I mean, you know, let's we're you know that's it seems like some pretty good. We have a whole you know line of shirts with sayings on them that are 1935 related. So, <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love the concept. I love that you know. In this, you're actually going to see why we call this episode um, 
why we why this is the episode title jack and, adams uh, so who is uh jack adams or do we need to lay groundwork there first well here's the thing it, it, there's um we, we we laid a little bit of groundwork in the last show at the at the end of the last show and um uh the jack adams is uh one of the most important people in the history of hockey oh i mean he is one of the most important people in the history of hockey and um but as far as the Red Wings fans know, Red, a lot of Red Wings fans may have heard his name. Um, and, uh, the, but the, 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 Red, the Jack Adams that many people will know to this day, and we have a slide right here, Jamie, that's, that's slide number one. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, so, the, uh, so, the, so the Jack Adams that a lot of Red Wings fans, for those are that, uh, that was last week's slide. We got yeah. the, you got it. Um, there we, uh, that's number four, I think. Anyway, so the, it's actually uh, that's still not it. He's, there we go. Right, cool. So the Jack Adams that a lot of people there's there's basically two different Jack Adams. Well, there's really three, but as far as for our intents and purposes for the show, there's the Jack Adams that people remember from the 1950s and 60s, which uh, is the image that we have here, yep. um, where he's kind of like an old you know he's an older guy. He's um he's you know, he's always smiling. They call him Happy Jack. Um, they call him some of his nicknames. Jolly Jack, Jovial John, Genial Jack. I mean, he's always he's always smiling. Jovial John. Yes, but but underneath the, you know, but he was a but he, this is a guy who had a passion to win that is matched by very few people. I mean, when you're talking about a passion to win, you're talking about the types that are like Mickey Cochran, Ty Cobb. He is at that level of, mm-hmm. of winning desire. And so, um, in that, that desire to win by the time of the fifties and sixties, like, you know, you see in the picture that we have on the screen is a picture of him signing a contract with Gordie Howe. He was a guy that signed, I mean, he, this is a guy that built the, built the Detroit hockey all the way through the fifties and sixties. And, um, he's, um, is, yeah, there's another picture on the screen we have with uh, Terry Sawchuck. And so this is, so there's the Jack Adams that was the fifties and sixties that, he got he's winning Stanley Cups left and right. I don't I, I forgot I forgot even how many he's won. Oh. He's won more than 4. Well, with the Wings he won. Oh, four. in the 50s and 60s you mean? Yeah. Well, he won a couple more before that. He won a two in the 35, 36 and 30. Was, he repeated back to back in that too. So I'm saying like and how many, you know, how many game how many uh championships they went to, how many Stanley Cups they won. This is a guy that had so many championships that um that by the time like sort of like in the 50s and 60s like he was just, I mean, he was almost like somebody that it's like a king that's got so much gold. Like they just want more of it just because it's because they like, they don't even know what to do with anymore. Like he was just, but, but at the same time, he was like, he sort of developed, you know, one of the, one of the reputations that you know he kind of developed was that he was just like almost over the top by the end of his career about how much he wanted to win. And, um, and so, and so anyways, um, there's like, so there's the Jack Adams that sort of people remember from the fifties and sixties, which is kind of the older guy that built the, you know, that, that, you know, the archetype of this, these, these, uh, you know, Gordie Howe, um, Red Wings and that. Um, but there's the Jack Adams that we're going to begin talking about who is the, like Jack Adams, the beginning Jack Adams, the player. Right. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, that's, I guess, so he started as a player. Oh, absolutely. Right. Not only did he start as a player, he started as a Hall of Fame player. Jack Adams is one of the best hockey players. Like, I mean, he's one of the, like when you talk about legends of the early of early hockey, Jack Adams was one of these guys. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, you know, quite a few of these guys. Um, but uh, but Jack Adams is amongst these. Um, you know, like when you're talking about baseball, like Ty Cobb, you know, era type players in baseball. He was like in hockey to like that same kind of early 1900s. That like Ty Cobb and Walter Johnson and these guys were, um, you know, like the early 1900s. That's that's that was his era. Like he's he is this like sort of first class uh, of the 1900s for hockey, and so um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. You got the next pick, next slide, real quick here. This is I wanted to. Um, this is this this is a little picture here that we have on screen that shows um, Jack Adams in his playing career. No. Uh, no more. Keep going. There we go. Yeah. So those are the, once again, he steals like T206 type cigarette cards, which I love showing Jack Adams in, uh, four different, um, four different phases of his, of his playing career. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to kind of rattle off a few dates and try to expedite through a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just try to get to, uh, some of the things I want to talk about. So born in, born in June 14th, 1895 in Fort William, Ontario, at age 15, he plays for a YMCA. And his YMCA, they win two consecutive church league championships. So he starts young with a couple of titles. 1912 to 1914, he, j- he joins a, a place for a senior senior hockey uh, senior hockey league, still an amateur, uh, Fort William Maple Leafs. So in 1915 is when he first turns pro, 
and he hooks up with a team in Michigan, the Calumet Miners. Huh? All right, the Calumet Miners. So, so uh, Northern. This, and so this is this is what I want to um, uh, to read a quote from, and this is I brought this book with me because. Um, Anybody that's interested in what we're talking about, yeah. um, the, the, the history of Jack Adams is not necessarily easy to find, oh. um, the, like the books and all this stuff on them. But uh, the, I brought this book to show. It's not the easiest book to find, but I absolutely love this book. It's called um, it's, it's called If They Played Hockey in Heaven. Mm. I don't know if you want to see it. Can you see the picture? Yeah, oh, there yeah, we yeah. go. So it's called If They Played Hockey in Heaven um, right, right. by Phil LaRanger. It's the Jack Adams story, and it is an absolutely um, – I guess I could have done a nice little JPEG image for the screen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if they played hockey in heaven, the Jack Adams story, it's a tremendous right. book. It's a tremendous read. Um, for, it's not, not the easiest book to find, but uh, if you get your hands in a copy and you like what we're talking about, it's a tremendous story. Sure. Yep. So anyways, um, so the quote I want to read to you comes from, uh, the, from this book, from If They Played Hockey in Heaven, and I use it in my book. Of course, I cited it to make sure Phil Arranger gets his credit. And I, like I say, we're double credit him because we're uh, talking about him on the show. So, um, so anyways, this talks about Jack's, um, time with the, uh, so it's a, it's a Northern Michigan senior hockey league, uh, in 1915 called the Calumet Miners. Okay. So this is uh, the quote from his, from, uh, Phil Ranger's book. The first stop on Jack's initial trek to gain the reputation he needed to break into major league hockey was across Lake Superior in the small city of Calumet in the far reaches of Michigan's tundra like upper peninsula. The Calumet team played in the harsh Northern Michigan senior hockey league. It was a cutthroat circuit where noisy fans were recruited from the area's timber cutting and mining camps. The players seemed to respond to the fans' cries for action and often played as if they had spent the better part of their day swilling hard liquor in a tavern and developing a hardened case of the means. It was a league described by the local press as one in which a player who can skate like the devil and fight like hell could rise to the top. Jack could do, the bo- Jack could do both and better than most. Nice. So notice how the segue from the title of the episode yeah, yeah. went right into that quote. Yeah. <laughs> it just had to use it. So, anyways, um, so that you get you get the idea. Like this is, and I love like it, like I love. I I wasn't able to write this particular that particular scene that um, Phil the Ranger conjures in your head with that in the movie, um, but I did in a, in a sort of. But like I had that in mind when I did another scene, but. But the, the scene that it conjures is something cool. You know what I mean? Like you've got, you can just imagine this like early 1900s, northern Michigan, mining town. Oh. These guys, like these people are just there because they're just watching it. They're like, there's no like move, you know, TV cameras. There's no hype for this game. This is a local town. You know, it's like, it, this is like, you know, this is back in age before Zamboni machines. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? These guys are just out there bloodletting and, ha- and hacking at each other with sticks and playing hockey, you know? Um, yes, I mean, like you got in Jack Adams too, you know, you just have to imagine, um, you know, we don't have any footage of course, but you have to imagine that in this type of environment, what type of a player you would have to be to survive in that. You see what I'm saying? You can't just be like, oh, you know, I'm going to be this slick handling puck wizard. That's going to skate around the guys and not going to let them touch me. You have to be an absolute bulldog to fight that, you know, to be in that. You know, I mean, you almost have to like love that type nope, of environment. No <laughs> yeah, you almost have to be. I mean, this is this is a type of environment that, like, I mean, you have to be. I mean, this is like as tough and mean as of a, of a league type thing that you have to be in. And to and for him to play in this league, and not only that, take the take a pretty big jump as we're about to see shows you what kind of player he is. Yeah. All right. So the very so his next step, um, he he moves on to the uh, Ontario Hockey Association, um, for, in a in a town in Canada called Petersburg. In 1917-18, he plays for the Sarnia Sailors, uh, which is Sarnia, um, just uh, just north of Port Huron. There, right across right, right from right the across Blue from Water Bridge. Exactly. There. So Sarnia. So he's still in this kind of Michigan region. So uh, and so uh, so at the end of his 1918 season, like I say, 1917 to 1918, um, he gets signed by the Toronto Arenas. Mm. And the Toronto Arenas, um, as we'll kind of see here as the story develops, is that it was the precursor of the the Toronto St. Pat's which is short for Toronto St. Patrick's, and then eventually the Toronto Maple Leafs. So this is like the very sort of free uh, precursor. But what's interesting about his NHL debut was that it was March 18th, 1918, which is coincidentally my brother's birthday, Curtis's birthday. Um, uh, so the NHL debut of the Toronto Arenas, um, this was uh, – this was um, 
uh, the very first year of the NHL. Oh. The last okay. week, week we talked about how the NHA changed its name to the NHL to leave that other owner behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just because they wanted to rid themselves of that owner they didn't like. But So this is the first year of the NHL, and it's also – his debut is also the first game of the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh. So his very first debut um, comes in – uh, comes in the very first. It comes in the very first game. Um, so, uh, so, anyways, I actually have another quote um, by uh, by Phil Ranger to um, to talk about how uh, to talk about that that game. Yeah. All right, which is again going to show us again this evolving character of Adams in the games and you know the type, the way that people kind of viewed him in the hockey at this time. So on the night of March 18, 1918, the chunky 22-year-old jumped over the boards at Jubilee Rink, the hometown slaughterhouse of the fearsome Montreal Canadiens, to take, to take his first turn on the ice as the newest member of the, of the Toronto arenas. The Toronto squad was facing the Canadiens in the decisive game for the first National Hockey League championship, and the, and, the, and the ink on Jack's contract was still wet when he got his first taste of NHL play by being hammered by Montreal defenseman Joseph Bad Joe Hall. Welcome to the big leagues, buddy. Damn, right on cue, man. Right on cue. The bewilderment of the more than 3,500 fanatical Canadian rooters stuffed into the Cracker, cracker Box Arena, Adams popped back up to his feet and began patrolling his assigned lane. Punished the arenas as they could, the Canadians couldn't stop the stout-hearted kids of the arena manager, Charlie Quarry. When the butchering mercifully came to an end, Montreal had registered a 4-3 win, but Toronto took the NHL title by a virtue of 10-7 margin in total points scored. Adams was singled out by the Toronto and Montreal press corps as one of the stars of the game. He was heralded for his gutty play as he dashed up and down the boards with blood streaming from a half-dozen cuts over his eyes and ears. I must have knocked that kid down a dozen times, but he just kept coming back for more, a humbled Newsy Lalonde told writers. He's a tough one and a good one, too. First game in the NHL. <laughs> Newsy Lalonde, <laughs> that quote by Newsy Lalonde, Newsy Lalonde was like, in his day, was like Ty Cobb right. of hockey. He was like that good. Newsy Lalonde was something special. One question. Yeah. What position did he, was he a left winger? Right forward. Winger? He was a he's forward. a forward, yeah. He, he was a winger. Yeah, he's a winger, yep. Okay. He, he eventually would move it. You know, we'll hear it in a second. He played center, but, okay. you know, he, but he was a forward, yeah. Okay. Yep. Left wing, yep. So, um, so anyways, so we made, so there's Jack in his, uh, in his, um, debut. So anyways, uh, so 1918, um, the very next year after they went to the Stanley Cup final, the arenas played terrible. Um, and the, in the, the, uh, the, the owner of the team, the, the team was basically going broke. It was like, and so the, the, uh, players are all getting sold off and Adams was one of them. And he ended up getting sold off to the Vancouver millionaires mm. who was run by, we mentioned last week that the Patrick brothers, Frank Patrick is the owner of the Vancouver millionaires. And, um, and that's the, and he was the one that bought Jack Adams. So anyways, so as soon as he gets to the, the Vancouver millionaires, um, his, his, uh, um, his very first season, 1919 to 1920, uh, he's an all-star. Nine goals in 22 games. They played a lot less games back then. Right. Uh, 48 game, uh, 82 games now, 48 games in 1935, and 22 games at this time. So nine goals in 22 games in his first year, all-star with the Vancouver Millionaires. All-star in his second year, the Vancouver Millionaires. 17 goals, 13 assists. All star in his third year with the uh, Vancouver Millionaires. You've noticed, uh, yeah. you guys noticed certain that knows a trend anyway. Yeah, yeah. All star in his third year, but this time he leads the that PC that we talked about the PCHA, which was the Western version of the NHL, West Coast version of the NHL at this time. They were a very competitive league. They were constantly sending teams to fight for the cup. Um, so he's third, you know, all star in his third year. Led his league in goals scored with twenty six and four twenty four games. Um, and also led the Millionaires to the Stanley Cup Finals, where he scored six goals in five games. Mm. Right, and but, and but despite that, his team lost to the uh, Toronto St. Pats for the for the championship. So, um, so anyway, so that so you can see he's a, a burgeoning star, all star, all stars, all star, five goals and you know uh, six goals in five games. I mean, he's he's you know he's becoming a star, and so um so he's on his way. At one point, um his so the very next year his career is nearly derailed. Because um, because uh, his his wife's uncle um, died on, uh, suddenly, mm -hmm. and his wife Helen. And she, just keep it in that mind. Keep that name in mind because his wife Helen, she is a major character in my screenplay, and for like very good reason. Helen is going to be a major character that's going to be played out in uh -huh. this story, in the evolving story of Jack Adams. But Helen's but Helen's uh, his wife Helen's um, uncle died, and his and they and they and Jack and Helen feared. 
that um that his that her aunt, the, her uncle's husband, her uncle's wife, obviously, um, was so like was so despondent over his death that she, that she was like gonna die from a broken heart. That's oh. how that's how bad it was. Like that's how she like couldn't she like so. Anyways, so his wife wanted to basically moved in, and this is uh, a town in Canada called Nepany. And so I probably butchered that word, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, this uh, I went with it. With so, anyways, so um, um, so Jack wanted to be next to his wife, and this is this town is w- nowhere near Vancouver. It's like in the you know closer to Toronto than anything. Yeah. And so um, Jack retired. So Jack Adams retired from hockey at that point. And then seeing this, seeing an opportunity to bring this star back into the you know the NHL and you know out of this you know out from away from the West Coast. Um, he has he has resigned. Uh, he's his contract is purchased by um, by the St. Pat's by the team that they just um, that just beat them in the oh. uh, Stanley Cup Finals. And so he re, he rejoins the St. Pat's and plays four seasons with them, scoring seventy four goals. Um, he's a player manager of the nineteen twenty five twenty six team, and um, and he, and then and so after four years with the St. Pat's, he retires again just because now his career is getting you know sort of on in years. He's, sure. He feels he's finished. Um, but he's got one last hurrah, and this is a key component to the Jack Adams story. Yeah. Okay. One last hurrah, nineteen twenty five twenty six. Um. So this is uh. I'm sorry, nineteen twenty six twenty twenty six twenty seven is um. Uh, he is, is the beginning of nineteen twenty six. He is signed by um. He is signed by uh, by by Ottawa to be an assistant coach and also a second line center. This is where he plays center in this spot. So, um, do we have this other picture that we can put up on screen? I do the the team one. The team one, exactly. Yep. So, um, so he he signs on with the Ottawa, okay, right? And and he wins the Stanley Cup in his final season. He plays one more year and he wins the Stanley Cup. And so we've got this team photo, and I did a little extract where you you know pulled his little picture out to show you to isolate where he was in that team photo. Yeah. But what is key about this um, is that this Ottawa team is going to play a major role in just like. Wait, just wait for the next however many episodes we do in this Red Wings. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this old Ottawa team so many times. You're not going to believe it. Like there, it figures in. Like I, I can't really go too far into it. I can, I can just give you a little teaser. I guess the guy in the very top center, um, Hurricane Heck Kilria. He's the, he's the, um, he's the, he's going to end up being one of the 1935 Red Wings that helps put him over the top for this, for this, um, for their Stanley Cup. The guy at the very bottom right hand corner is Donnie Hughes. And he's going to be the coach of the Detroit Olympics, which oh. is the minor league hockey team of the of the of the Red Wings. Um, and he's just going to be an, Donnie Hughes was like just a ma- massive like talent development guy, um, and um, and he was and he's the, one of the um, like a trainer for the Red for the Ottawa Senators at this point. But like out of this team, out of this team, there's seven Hall of Famers on this team. There's seven Hall of Famers, Jack Adams included, uh-huh. um, and just like in, in, that doesn't include uh, Heck Kilrea, the Hurricane Heck, which is just like the, he was the fastest man hockey. Hurricane Heck is just going to be such a great story to tell. Um, but uh, in, in Donnie Hughes, that doesn't include either one of these guys. But it's got seven Hall of Famers on this team. It's like some of the big, and that's what I mean. Like like some of these guys, like I say, this team's going to play a huge role, not necessarily in the best interests of the Red Wings. Like this team, when it breaks up, eventually this this Ottawa the Ottawa Senators are going to be um, are going to fold. But this, but the um, it's going to lead. I can't even tell you how big this this how important this team is. It's crazy, especially like the franchise itself. When this when the franchise is actually going to end up breaking up um, at the end of the uh, nineteen thirty four season. Um, prior to the 1935 season, this the franchise finally dissolves and these players get cast off, and um, it's it, there's going to be like this massive controversy over the Ottawa. It's going to be crazy. Okay, like wait till you see, wait till we really start getting into some of this stuff with this Ottawa Senators team. But all these players in this team, like when they end up going off, like Jack Adams goes off as you know, spoiler alert, goes off to become the, the Red Wings. You know, builds the entire Red Wings organization, and I mean he's just one guy. He was Donnie Hughes, the Olympics guy. But you've got guys that are the you know um, Hooli Smith is going to be like one of the best hockey players ever for the Montreal Maroons. He's going to be playing against the Red Wings in the longest game ever played. I mean, like there, there's um, Frank uh, King Clancy's on this team. He's a defenseman, one of the best defensemen like ever. Like in his day, was just an absolute megastar. Frank King Clancy. There's, I mean, it's just the list goes on and on, on for the players in this team and the impact that they're going to have across hockey um, when this when they all start to kind of leave this year. So. 
Anyways, I wanted to show that off. And so the final little slide we've got, um, we can bring this up here too on the screen mm-hmm. because, um, because after the season is over, Jack's last year, um, uh, Jack then um, is going to take over as the coach of the newly found. This is where we let off. This is where we sort of finished off last week. Um, we told the entire story of like the history of the NHL and how it led up to the birth of the birth of the Detroit hockey franchise. And if you were just to kind of take us back to that um, last week's show, um, uh, we had the Portland Rosebuds and the uh, um, Van- and the uh, uh, the Cougars, the Victoria Cougars, mm-hmm. that were both sold off for a hundred grand apiece to two separate American businessmen. Right. One went to Chicago, became the Blackhawks. The other went to Detroit and became the Cougars. Became the Detroit Cougars, and so that their very first year of the Detroit Cougars. Was the which is um uh, uh what do we have it night twenty six twenty seven oh yeah twenty six twenty seven was the year that Jack Adams won that Stanley Cup in Ottawa so the year that the so the Detroit Cougars first year is also Jack Adams last year as a, as a player with the Ottawa Senators okay so just as he's winning the Stanley Cup the Detroit Cougars are having the worst year in the NHL. They're the worst team. They're literally the worst team in hockey. They finished up that year in 26-27 with a record of 12-28-4. They're three wins less than the next worst team. So they're literally the bottom of the basement. Uh-huh. All right. And so um, so that's just so so the so just think about this for a second. So Jack Adams is uh is about is so this is sort of I want to give a little setup um to kind of finish up because I'm this is pretty much where I wanted to go with this story today with yeah. Jack Adams. Um, but just to kind of to summarize what the the situation Jack Adams was coming into, okay, was um so Jack Adams is he's just come off a Stanley Cup cha- you know chance championship, right? He's at the highest of the high, right? And by the way, keep on this was kind of just take you back for a second. Jack Adams first year first year, and I I'm not sure if I mentioned when he his first appearance with the arenas where he came up and was in the Stanley Cup uh, finals, right? They ended up winning that cup. Right, so his first game, first week in hockey is that they they finish up as Stanley Cup champions, and then his last week in hockey, he's still you know bookend championships, and so when he comes over, to, so when he comes to Detroit hockey, he's taken over a team that is finished with the worst record in all of hockey. Um, Detroit had no arena, there was no Big Red Barn, there was no Olympia oh. Stadium. Um, there was uh, there, there, the Detroit was actually they had to play their games in Windsor. Detroit, the Detroit hockey team is playing in Windsor. There's, they don't even play in Detroit. Oh, wow. So it's the Detroit hockey team that plays in Windsor. Okay, um, And then um, the best player on that first year's team, this guy named Art Duncan, was also their coach and general manager. And at, towards the end of the year, um, he left the team because the team was so awful. He just, I mean, plus he had a deal to sign with at this point now is the Toronto Maple the Toronto, it's not the arenas, it's not the St. Pat's, it's, it's the fully fledged Mont- Toronto Maple Leafs. They're finally the Maple Leafs by this point. And so Art Duncan, the best player on the, on this Detroit hockey club, leaves the team and now he's on um, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So like the best player of the worst team in the league is now gone too. So he doesn't have anybody. Right. Right. And so he's got, so he's got, um, yeah, he's got nothing. He's coming to this. He's got. He's coming to this team. If there, so when I say when we call him when I when I say that, we you know the nickname "Father of the Detroit Red Wings." Yeah. Okay. It is. This is the. This is the. Uh, the we've. I've only used this this t- title twice thus far in the show to describe anybody. Uh, once when we described um, Frank Navin, yeah. the father of the Detroit Tigers. Um, and the second was Potsy Clark. The father of the Detroit Lions. Right. The both of those two had the same thing in common with Jack Adams, where they came onto this, they came to this franchise when there was nothing. There was nothing. The Tigers were playing in old wooden, you know, wooden like barely a wooden ballpark, <laughs> you know, in the early 1900s when Frank Navin. Frank uh-huh. Navin was the was a bookkeeper with the with them when he started up. Uh-huh. Um, they had nothing. The Tigers were nothing at that time. They didn't even really start breaking out until they started playing baseball on Sundays. That was the only way they even started making money. They they were they were Tigers were nothing at that point. Um, the Lions. We already gone through this. The Lions came from Portsmouth. These guys, when they won the championship, were one of the perks that they got was that they got a parka. 
You know, like that was <laughs> that's how old yeah. they started. Yeah, their yeah. their bonus was a was a team parka with <laughs> the Lions logo on the back. You know, like they're like you know that nowadays they get a ring that's all covered with jewels and all this stuff, and they get yeah. like a, these ridiculous bonuses, <laughs> and they can basically make a living the rest of their lives, like as celebrities and endorsements or whatever you want to Super Bowl. Back then, they got a parka. Good you know, job, boys. Yeah, Stay warm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like that's what they're, they're like. We we were so happy to get our parkas. You know, like that's what I mean. Like that's the age we're talking about. This is the this is the beginning, yeah. and that's what's so fascinating about what Jack Adams is. Is that as we proceed forward with this story, the, you know, Jack Adams is the beginning of Detroit hockey. He comes into a situation. He comes in at you could not put pick a. A more like, I mean, hockey is not virtually not all they have is basically a certificate that says that they have a franchise. Right. Like there actually is a franchise <laughs> in Detroit. That's pretty, they don't even, and the, but the team's not even there. They're playing at Windsor. Yeah. Like they don't, even, they don't even have anything, right? They don't have a arena. They don't have a, their team's awful and they don't even play in Detroit. Yeah. It's the bare bones. Of a of the of an organization of the of this Detroit hockey, and they and that, were so they were the Cougars at this. Time? They were the Cougars, yes. And so he comes in, and so this is the this is what Jack Adams comes into, and what he builds. I mean, again, spoiler alert: everybody's seen the fifties and sixties, what he built the team right, into with all right. these championships and Gordy Howe and, uh, yeah. and all these, um, Ted Lindsay and them. Like this, I mean, like that's what he built them into. You know what I mean? Like from a nothing, from a nothing, from a, literally nothing, a certificate in hand to, you know, one of the great franchises in hockey. So, um, so that's where he is. And so I have one little last little quote that I want to leave mm-hmm. or wanted to read. And uh, this is a, uh, this is a quote about, and this again comes from Phil Ranger's book. And um, this is a quote about Jack Adams getting his job. Oh. Okay. With this Detroit, with this Detroit team. So, um, in, in the book, I'm just kind of noticing my own writing. Like I just to the reader, if you're actually reading the book, that was that's pretty much what I just said. How it leads off from this, you know, awful situation, like leading into, um, you know, to this is the job interview, so to speak. So uh, in it, in its first season in the Motor City, the team lost more ga- the lo- the team lost more than games. It also lost eighty four thousand mm. dollars. The Cougars plainly needed help. While Ottawa was in Boston for the playoff series against the Bruins, Adams heard that the that the Detroit club was looking for a new manager to place replace Duncan, who was who was giving up the reins to play for the Maple Leafs. Adams wasted little time in letting it be known that he wanted the Detroit post. He took the most direct route. The late Frank Calder, then president of the NHL, was the man holding the most influence as to who would replace Duncan at the helm of the Cougars. Sauntering brashly into Calder's office, Adams threw his bid in for the job. I can do the job down there in Detroit and make those boys contenders, claimed Adams. I've been involved in this game for a long time, and I've played on two Stanley Cup champions. Mr. Hughes needs me more than I need him. I want the coaching job, Mr. Calder, he blurted. What do you think? Calder leaned back in his chair and surveyed the tense veteran with a, cri- with a critical and judging eye. It was a long minute in the life of one hopefully eager John James Adams. Jack, Calder finally said, I think you're just the man for the job. Damn, wow. Mike dropped. He this just is Jack and, Adams, and, and then, yeah. he, then he took it. He Yeah, he got the job. You know, he got the spoiler alert again. He got the uh, job. <laughs> he's yeah. a legend. That's what I mean. So this, so so this is the so that the final one I wanted to show real quick that picture for anybody. Uh, I'll describe it for anybody yeah. that can't see it. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the uh, to the listen to the podcast. Um, the final uh, picture with where he's got the with he's got the patches on his shoulder. Yeah, that's the, been uh, up. There's been a lot of attention uh, with that patch in the bottom left corner. So these this is a, this is a, this is something that I've never quite really figured out exactly. I mean, it's 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 easy to understand what you're looking at here. Yeah. What we're looking, I'll describe it for those that can't see it that are listening to the show. Um. So Jack Adams. So Jack Adams. This is Jack Adams when he first takes his first year in Detroit is in the upper left hand corner. He's wearing a sweater. And it's got two patches on it. He's got a patch that says uh, Detroit Cougars on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on his left side, a big patch. And on his right side, he's got a patch that says World Champs 1926-27. So he's got this patch from his from his year in Ottawa. Right. And so he's the coach in the gen- – and, and the other picture with it is – it's a color picture where – and that's why I kind of blew the picture up, which shows the patch a little bit closer. Um, and it shows him wearing that same sweater with that patch. And so, like, I wasn't sure. I guess the thing I was like, obviously, you see what it is. He's wearing a patch because he, you know, for his championship that he's so proud of. Yeah. But it shows you how proud he was of that championship and how proud of he was of that Ottawa Senators team. Like, that's a badge of honor 
to wear that thing. Like I was on the senators, man, of nineteen twenty six, twenty seven. Um, like he, I want. I guess the question I that I had is, I wanted to know how long he wore that for, mm. because um, like, did, and maybe like also his rationale, like, did he wear that? Um, you know, obviously he was proud of it, of course, but I wonder if he was wearing because it's kind of. I think it's kind of odd. Like if you're if you're a coach for one team and you win a championship. Are you going to wear – I can see maybe you wear the ring, I guess. But if you're, would you yeah. wear like this outward demonstration? Yeah. Like, Well, when Babcock left Detroit, yeah, you know, exactly. he's, not, he's not wearing a winged wheel. Exactly. Would you wear yeah. like a – you know, Pat saying chant, Stanley Cup champ, you know, with all the years where, you know, with the, when it with the Red Wings. Yeah. And then he's played – he's a coach for the Maple Leafs. You see what I'm saying? Right, I thought yeah, it was kind no. of – I've always thought it was kind of kind of odd. But I also wondered that I, that I also had like the sort of counter thought that maybe he um, wore that uh, patch – Almost to say to his new players with the, with the, just show them like, I'm a champion. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a champion and I, and like, I'm going to, this is where we're going. That's where we're going. Exactly. Or so, you know, like a motivating factor. Or maybe it was even, I even had this thought too, which is the idea that, um, that maybe, uh, he said he had something where I'm going to wear this patch until, you guys give me a new patch to wear with okay. the with the you know with the Detroit one on it. Maybe it was something like that. Um, I've, but that's one of the things. Like that's why I say I can't figure it out. Like it, it's, it's obvious to what it is. I mean, it says World Champs nineteen twenty six twenty seven, which is the Ottawa patch. But um, uh, but like I say, I like I'm, I'm just curious about the motivation. It might not be. It might just he just you know wore the patch because it was a patch or whatever. But <laughs> there was a hole in the sweater. Yeah, there's a hole in the sweater. So you want to be like, where <laughs> Helen? Helen, we need something to fix this patch. I got just a thing, Jack. I got this. Uh, I got this patch that says World Champs on it. It'll go with the hockey thing uh, you got going. You know, that could have been a little advertising, like you say, for the players. Yeah. Too. So that's why I've, I've you know the Helen said it. But I've never seen any sort of definitive answer, and mm-hmm. it was that, and it was really there's nobody has ever even mentioned that he did it. I just saw those in photos, and I always just kind of thought it was cool because, like I say, as we go through the story and we really start to, um, when you see all the connections with this old Ottawa team, yeah, um, I just always like like as it's it's almost it's so obvious with all these different connections that it's impossible to miss, and that's what I mean. Like as you're reading all these stories and seeing all these old Ottawa connections. You know what I mean? Like when you're spending years researching all this stuff, like mm-hmm. looking at newspapers and stuff, and then you see Adams every time he's wearing that sweater with that, you know, with that year on, with that, this Ottawa patch. Um, you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's just cool because it kind of takes you back into that era, like just to show, like, you know, that team with the center, the Ottawa Senators was so big, and um, you know, you know that that he's actually rocking the patch, you know, so. Um, so yeah, so it, um, it's just kind of worth, worth noting about this. So that's why I put that picture on there. Yeah. Dig it. Yep. So anyways, yeah. So this is, so this is, uh, this is the, the playing career and, and Jack Adams finishes Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame player, tremendous player. So and, he uh, carried them through the Cougars now, cause we talked about the Red Wings didn't become the Red Wings until that year or the year oh, before. We're, gonna, we're getting there. The whole next, the whole next episode. I want, so he we're carried be, them through that and into yeah. the bleak years. Yeah. The bleak yeah. years. And that's next, next week. That's the next episode we're going to be talking about is, is when uh, Jack Adams and how he got to, you know, basically the point of um, when he first joins the Detroit hockey, you know, you know the Detroit hockey franchise, the Cougars and um, that the sort of like the, uh, the years leading up to the Red Wings. Were, were they the Victoria? Some of the V. They right? started out Victoria Cougars. Victoria Cougars, yes. and then they they got they brought over and they came to here. Detroit and okay. were the Detroit Cougars. Yeah, and so like keep in mind, like again, I've just, met a few yeah. Detroit Cougars. Oh, there you go. Uh, I you bet, know. Jamie. Uh, <laughs> that's different. We could do a though. whole show on that's that. A, I bet. Yeah, that's a little different. We could do a whole show right. on that. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll oh, talk about that after the show. Uh, I love it. That'll be a nice. That'll be a nice appendix for the movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so this is like I say, this is um the you know the, the primer for uh, where we're going with the story, and um yeah, it, like I say that like and he and he is in the in the movie, the screenplay that I wrote, that he uh, Jack Adams, of course, is the um is the central figure of the Red Wings of the entire Red Wings story, and him and his wife Helen, she's a major component, as I mentioned too. All right, so everybody, uh, we just want to thank everybody for hanging out uh, as we as we go through this uh, just an amazing story that uh, needs to be told. These things that uh, we we just dying to share these and and un- unfold all of this and make it a thing. Yeah, well, that's uh, again we're we're talking we're 
you know, as you're listening to the show, I mean, we're, we're doing an entire show on one season yeah. in Detroit sports history. I think at some point it'd be kind of cool to branch off and talk about some other stuff. Like, you know, you know, when we get the main components of the story done, like yeah. talk about some other teams in 35s and, or in the 30s. Um, maybe some just uh, Detroit history in general, you know, that kind of branch off of this. Yeah, we got um, some Detroit storytellers. That, but, uh, uh, but but I'm just saying, like, until that time comes. We've got lots of, yeah, lots got, of sports to cover. That's what I mean. Like, I mean, this is this is just one of the books, man. Yep. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, there's so much. The, the fact that we can do an entire show, not just one show, but an entire show format, <laughs> like a, 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 on one year in Detroit sports, like yeah. what other year in Detroit sports history or in any other year's history, could you do an entire show based on? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's some people be having like Detroit history show or whatever, but we have an entire show on one year. Like, that's how big it is. It's yeah. the greatest sports story ever told. Exactly. I've researched it, and nobody's ever done this. Not nobody's ever done anything. I like mean, this. it is when I did the radio and did my little part. I researched it, and I made correspondence all over that. They all said, "Huh? Nobody's how ever many? heard of it." Yeah, you know, it's yeah. unbelievable, but mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what's. And that's what I mean. When it dawns on you that, like, you know, there's people that maybe are listening to the show. There's people that, um, maybe you hear the fact, you know, you yeah. hear, you hear like, oh, I heard, I didn't know that. Three teams all won their first championships in the same season. That's kind of a cool, that's a bar trivia question or whatever, yeah. right? But when it actually sinks in, when it actually sinks into your brain that there's 33 championships, like, are there even that many sports? <laughs> I mean, you see, I mean, there's like 33 championships. It sounds ridiculous. How is it possible that 33 championships in one season, including all three majors, all three professional sport majors at this time? Um, you have the you have Joe Lewis in boxing, the speedboat. The, wait till we get to Garwood. Ah. The speedboat, the 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 Harmsworth Trophy, which is what Garwood raced for, was literally the most prestigious and coveted trophy slash championship in the world at that time right entire governments would like the british the 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 british we used to used to spend their used to um spend like their government money on the on the uh on like on their for their their like their navy would be trying to send ships to detroit to boats to beat Garwood, they wanted the the title for the for right. speedboat racing because the British at the time had the title for the land speed record. They had the title for air the uh, the Schneider Trophy for the air championship. Like you, it's like a maneuverable like uh, uh, plane flying championship thing. So they had the they had land title and they had the air title they and the, they wanted to see they wanted to be land sea and air yeah yeah and that's what I'm saying like wait till we get to that and, and the Detroit held that too and Garwood was like yeah. I don't think so. That's what I mean. Like, tell you, so that's what I mean. Like, when it sinks in, just how big this was. When it finally sinks in, yeah. Like, there's there's sort of a point. Look, look at Tom. I love Tom. You. This look at look at Tom. Tom's here. This sunk in for Tom a long time ago, and Tom has been beating this drum for for most of his life. Yeah. Right. When it finally sits in, it becomes like. It's not only is it that you're just like, oh, my God, this is like the most incredible <laughs> sports story. It's like almost not even real. It's so it's so big. And when it sinks in, Jamie launches an entire show around it. <laughs> I just, it I'm that Jamie, excited I sp- about it. Yeah, I spent 10 years writing books on it. You know what I mean? So so for anybody out there, you know, like say like when it, you know, like uh, when this when it sinks in the magnitude of just how big this was. And that's why I can't wait when we when I get this when we get this movie out. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people that sees like they're gonna be watching this, just going, "Oh my god!" It's just a nonstop cascade of championships. Hey, Charles, like, you know, a, a one word comes to mind from the series, the trilogy of books you have, and the word that comes to mind for me is testament. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, because it's just it's just a testament to the year of 1935 and what Detroit. Did yeah. in that year, so it doesn't sound real. It really what I mean. doesn't. It doesn't yeah. sound and real. It, like when it, somebody it, says like thirty three championships, you're being a little bit dramatic, dude. I will show up. To, I will sh- post on this thing. I will go through this <laughs> thing and hold it in front of the camera. Look at this. Here, I'm just gonna hold a random page up. Number three, Eddie Tolan. I, I counted them back. Like I already assumed the first three with the th- first three, but I counted these <laughs> things down and I listed these things in order. 
so that there's no mistake. I showed all the factual evidence for every single championship. Number 19, Herbert Mendelssohn. Number we go through all the way all the way through this thing, man. 90, number 29, Newell Banks, the world checkers champion. Dude, <laughs> it was a legit and he was a he was a superstar in his area. He played checkers and, and chess blindfolded and would beat he was that good like well, one, you know? of the, one of the great stories was Walter Hagen and, Hagen and, was and Bobby Detroit. Jones. Absolutely. That, that, yeah. that just that is yeah. probably a year's yeah. of work just there. Yeah, that, Walter Hagen. That happened in Detroit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, he, well, Hagen, the, his his claim to fame in '35 um, was the uh, was the uh, um, what's the what's the uh, the Ryder Cup. He was the captain of the Ryder Cup champions in that yep. year, and he mm-hmm. was he was the first club professional, Oakland Hills Country Club. He uh, he was he called the Detroit Athletic Club the building he was more familiar with than any other building in his life. He wrote his autobiography in Cadillac. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this, Kagan was a Detroit. I mean, he was born. He wasn't born here, but like a lot of people with these, you know, in the cities, and you know, they, they move there. They, you know, they have residences there, and they call themselves a Detroiter. And uh, you know, Hagen migrated all over the world for most of his life, but um, but you know, he he you know he represented Detroit. At well, this he was time. Bo- he was born here. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's chapter two, verse thirty three. <laughs> <somewhere. laughs> yeah, it's in there. So, anyways, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, but it's like the list. The list of championships that like it's just it's staggering. The thing when it's when it's like just imagine today if a single city won everything mm-hmm. thirty like the 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 World Series the the uh, NFL championship and the Stanley Cup. It hasn't happened again since nope. 1935. A bunch of cities have gotten closest. I got interviews by the Boston Globe. They called me up asking about because a couple years ago they were uh, the Lightning versus the I think it was the Lightning versus the uh, the the Bruins or whatever. Right. And there there it was Game Seven and the. Boston Globe's actually calling me up, asking about getting looking for a quote about what it's going to be for Boston to get three championships. And I'm like, you know, what I mean, you haven't won it yet. You know, I mean, it's not you haven't done it. I mean, it's it, nobody's done it since. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a cute story. Down in Naples, there's a Foxborough restaurant. It's all Boston, and I went in and it had a sign over the bar. It said "City of Champions, Six Champions." Yeah. Uh-huh. So I brought the manager over and I said. Uh, that sign up there, oh, yeah, I said, Boston, we've won six titles. It was unbelievable. I said, well, I come from a city that won 24. He yeah. said, well, that's impossible. Nope. So I had the little piece of paper that Abe Kushner had, and I yeah. took it and showed it to him. He looked at it. He couldn't believe it. And I went back to the restaurant about five or six days later. The sign was down. Uh, yeah. He he came to me and he said, yes, Detroit well, is the city of champions. Well, Tom, you of bring all, up, of all I love time. That. Well, you I bring up that. sort of a point because a if, you, if you do a Google search, I said it in my first book, you do a Google search for city of champions. Like you don't type in Detroit, you just type in city of champions. And there's like 71 million hits. Every city out there lays claim somehow. Pittsburgh sure. had a big run in the seventies, so they claim city of championships because of the Steelers and the Pirates and you know all this. Um, Boston claims to be city of championships because they won a bunch of championships lately. Um, you know all these different. There's every city's got a claim to city of champions in some fashion or another. But um, but but. No, nobody has done anything uh, like they did in '35. And, a and plaque is, with all the governors. And this is what I'm saying. And the president. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Detroit. That's what I'm saying is that in '35, that we're, this is again spoiler alert, getting a little ahead of the story at all. Yeah. But uh, you know, we get to all the way to the end of this thing, and we're going to show that at the end of this season, there was a plaque commissioned uh, by I think it was a Grand Rapids company. Um, that's what it says in the back. But it was, but it was commissioned saying. You know, Detroit is declared the city of champions. On the top of this plaque, it's signed by every governor in the country. There are all these little wooden tabs that were sent out to every governor. They signed them. And then the top of the top, so they were all these little tabs were affixed to this big wooden plaque. Uh, And the plaque is huge. It's like six feet tall. It's ridiculously huge. And in uh, the top tab is signed by by FDR by by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, so the President of the United States declaring Detroit the city of champions. So the question I have is for all these cities that declare city of champions for their own city, where is our governor signing a plaque that record you know calls them the city of champions? Right, right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this was official like legislate like not legislation as I'm getting a little bit carried away, but you know what I mean? Like this was recognized by everyone in the country as like the city of champions. Yep. And really the definition was sort of established at that moment. As you know, if you're going to recognize Detroit as the city of champions for this sporting achievement, well, that sporting achievement was a series of championships in a singular year that will that has never been no, matched or ever will be matched. American so, champions. So I can't what I'm wait. saying though is that that particular title, 
There's a lot of things that be, people can be proud of the championships they win. They can call themselves whatever they want. But when it comes to that particular title, right. City of Champions, the case that we just laid out here, that I just laid out here in the last minute or so, um, that's a pretty strong case to argue for that for that title, right? It's a pretty strong case. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, um, but what I'm saying is, is that we're the only ones making it. You know, Detroit and Michigan. Like, like it's one of these things. Like this, this you know, this belongs to us. This is a title that's ours. And um, you know, like you know, if people knew about it and actually stood up about it and like kind of like you know learned about it and cared about it and got into it a little bit and we made a movie about it for God's sake, yep. then it would still be ours and it wouldn't yeah. be you know just cast around with every time you know like every anybody that wants to use the title go ahead they just want you, you know a, a putt putt championship you're the city of champions now that's what all. Abe Kushner told me when we had the celebration of the yeah. 50th in 1985 he said Tom it, it's fading. Do something, save this because this will never be repeated yeah. again, ever. Yeah, and he's right. He's That's right what on, I mean. He's right on the money, and he's right on the money because you go out this like I'm telling you, it's like I think it's. I would say it's probably if you if you just like now it's a little bit more because there's I've you know I've been doing this for ten years and yeah I mean you can see it, like I've been doing art shows and so I've been telling people I've been selling books you know like I think I told we said it a couple of shows ago. You know, even four years ago, I did a conservative estimate. It was eighty thousand people I've told the story to. You know, person to person. Um, so we've been getting it out there to a certain extent. Um, but by but 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 it's but but it's I could easily make the case that it's one. Maybe I would say I would say if you were to interview a hundred Detroit sports fans, you would find probably nine. Like when I first started, it was probably ninety seven or ninety eight of those had never heard of this. Oh, yeah. And now it's probably closer to 95 <laughs> out of a hundred. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Well, like maybe there's a couple extra every once in a while. You see a few people, maybe, maybe, maybe 90, maybe we put a little bit of a dent in it, but by, but by and large, it's still completely unknown. Well, and wait it, till the movie comes out and it'll be lined up and oh, absolutely. To That'll be perfect. But we got to get there. That's what I'm saying. That's well, why the show, you know, what I'm looking a, forward to champions day is April 18th. Yeah. We're going to big. And, yeah. uh, this year, uh, around champions day, if we don't do it on the 18th proper, it'll be, uh, that week or so, uh, we're going to do an episode with that plaque you were talking oh, about. Oh man, that's going to be cool. It's at so the Detroit we'll Historical Museum. I'd like to see that. The uh, story see of the plaque itself is amazing. Is so, amazing. Uh, that's what that it's episode amazing. will be. So oh, coming yeah. up, it's an amazing uh, story. So people listen to these whenever, whenever. Can I ask but, you, what, where uh, is the plaque? Is it at the Historical Museum? Museum. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, no, when we when I first, yeah, when it so first. So we'll get to it. We'll get to the, on, the story dude. of the plaque. Let's talk man. about it right now. No. we got time. Well, maybe somebody no. might want to go down to the historical it's museum. At the, well, it it's at the plaque. historical museum. And in the meantime, little, little prelude. hold on a second. We got to leave them with this. So here's the thing. We got we <laughs> can't right. let it leave them like that, leave them hanging like that. So we, so so um, you can see at the historical museum like the this, plaque. Like this story. But if you. It uh, was lost. Yes, exactly. The whole story is the, yeah. The, the plaque itself represents this the entire city of Champions. It's a metaphor season for it, yeah. Because the plaque was completely lost, yeah. And it was found at the Armada Flea Market, sold for thirty dollars to wow. somebody. It was waterlogged and stained. It had to be completely re- rebuilt, like this thing. And it and it traveled across, you know, all for it was found in nineteen. I think it was eighty. I got to look at the book. I think it was eighty three or eighty eighty five. Right. When it was found, and then it was turned over to the historical museum and put in a box and put in their archives, and it sat there from like '85 through 2014 or something. Whenever I found, you know, where we found it, '85 was, like, was the 50th anniversary. Yeah, but it, I don't remember if it was that exact same <laughs> that certain year, but it was around that point. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's you know, like. If you want to read the full story, you can buy the books, of course. Yeah. It's easy, low price, like forty nine ninety nine. You know, like yeah, cityofchampions.com. Like, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, right well, when we get to it, we're going to take a much deeper dive into yep. it. And in fact, I'm going to try because at one point I met the guy who found it. Oh, awesome. so it, it like was telling me the story, Bring and it, it back. Know, that's what I would love to. So we're um, we're going to try to uh, find him and see if we can uh, either get him on the show because I think he was from Arizona. They're not from, he's from Michigan, but he was living in Arizona last time I talked yeah. to him. Pull wow. him in on the stream yard. All yeah, right, so uh, if you've been listening world. along, we appreciate you being here, Detroit City of Champions. That's the name of the show. That's the name of the books. It'll be the name of the movie, and uh, it's also the name of the website. <laughs> City of Champions, uh, DetroitCityOfChampions.com. Uh, again, like, subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, we appreciate you. Gentlemen, uh, thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time.